and this is Movie Victory. Welcome, welcome. What are you? This, we're just checking out this. What are you doing? This is the new, new theme for the for the show. It's um. It doesn't really fit the. It doesn't really fit the episode, does it? I I mean, I I feel like I just we just need an opening theme, so I'm just trying you know trying different ones, and you know, figuring mm -hmm. out what's gonna work and. Uh, I like it. It's 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 relaxed, you know. Who knows? And it's kind of. I feel like maybe we should start playing jazz music in the background during the episodes. I feel like that might give us a more of a Not, cool I'm, vibe as the show progresses. That's fi I'm fine with. I'm fine with jazz. I just don't know about uh, tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Well, you know, I don't know what I would do with um, that, and that kind of just brings me to how I feel about some of the movies that we do. Is just they're just kind of like tossed salad and scrambled eggs, you know. Not that I eat scrambled what does that mean? eggs. <laughs> what, what? I definitely toss salad. Yeah, we all toss salad, and sometimes we put some scrambled eggs in it. You know, if you're gonna do, if you're mm -hmm. into that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I have I have been described many times as a salad tosser. Salad tosser that that kind of seems. This is movie victory, by the way, the only scientific movie podcast. And um, you know, I'm your host, David Victory. Um, I'm the guy who crunches the numbers. I'm your guest, <laughs> Huey JPEG, Wiki Wall uh, Huey JPEG. Yeah, and we're here kicking it, talking about you know, little known film. Not a lot of people have heard of it. Um, Rashomon, yeah. So that, or is it? Which actually loosely translates to toss, toss salad. salad. Yeah. So that's that's bring it bring it all together. So yeah, we saw this film Rashomon, and um, we're gonna give it a scientific review today. It it, it is a huge film. Um, having done a little research about it after I watched it this week, um, it is a Citizen Kane type film. So. It's like we're not we're probably not even gonna scratch the surface on this show, but I feel like I kind of nope. We're gonna doing a short episode. Doing a short episode about it, yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, I feel like we kind of our approach to talking about the shows is different because we kind of use it as a as a launching ground to kind of get into more of the philosophical things that a film brings up, or maybe just something. You, you know, not personal. personal, that's not really relevant to the film, but just, you know, loose associations. Right. That's the kind of thing mm -hmm. that you're going to get in the show today, like all of our episodes. Movie victory. <laughs> movie victory. The, the movie... Comes second. The movie is the jump-off point yeah. for a, a larger discussion, and the victory is what we learn from it. So every episode is a victory, I would say. Yeah, I mean... I think we, more or yeah, less. more or less every episode's a victory. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, which is different. You know, I've been I've, I listen to a lot of other movie podcasts out there, and they're gonna give you so much more information about the movie. Facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna list stuff. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, it's less important. <laughs> yeah, but are they gonna talk about reincarnation? Are they gonna tell anecdotes about their grandparents? I don't think they would so. never be that personal, and that's where. Nah. Their show is for different kind of people, you know. I'm not going to say, mm -hmm. um, you know, but there's a place for that. Um, but yeah, so today we're talking about um, Rashomon. Definitely, just uh, I guess you talk about blind spots. This is a blind spot for me. Um, most of Japanese cinema in general, I would say, are blind spots for me. And so I had not seen this film at all. So it's kind of like 
it's kind of it is kind of an embarrassing blind spot but i have i feel like everybody does have these and you know you more or less some people talk mm -hmm. about them some people don't um well i think it's also it's something that you know as you as you age and you continue watching movies and seeking out new stuff it's just like an inevitable discovery right i mean i i also favored english language and like french stuff for most of my life and then only in my early 30s did I really start to I had seen some Kurosawa movies in, when I was a little younger but I, they didn't do anything for me for whatever reason but when I saw them as a quote unquote adult it was like holy shit and it just opened up you know the whole thing so yeah I think everyone takes turns like everyone discovers things at different times you know there's so much out there yeah you know and I, f I feel like when I was younger I was definitely like a lot of young people out there you feel like you have to kind of get through everything and that can get you overwhelmed and you could kind of stop watching good stuff and I, I guess what I always think is important just keep watching stuff that's different you know you'll you'll get to a lot of the good stuff that way just don't kind of close yourself off to not keep on just trying stuff that you heard of that you heard was mm -hmm. good you know it's the only way you discover new stuff that you end up falling in love with and um, it's like true with everything um, I found this restaurant that my wife and I really liked just because I ran by it and I was like this place looks interesting and I looked it up and looked at the menu and yeah now it's like our favorite restaurant you know but um great I love try that. new stuff you know <laughs> All right. yeah be, be open-minded yeah because otherwise you'll turn into one of those like a one of those retirees that like only eats the same thing right all the time like will not you don't want to be the one of those people that can't branch out. Right. And it's also just... You know, you want to branch out a little bit here and there so that you at least get the habit of doing it, you know? You don't want to be one of those stubborn people that refuses to try new things. Because then you're just an idiot. Right. And it's... You're just wasting your life. <laughs> and I guess that's the only way you find, like, new stuff that you really love. And maybe some people have told me, it's like, well, you just like everything... And, you know, part of me is like, well, I would hope, would hope so, but I feel like I'm just, like, open to a lot of different variety. Like, with music, I feel bad when I say this, but I'm like, I really don't like metal music, but there's really no other type of music that I can't, like, appreciate somehow. You know, metal music mm -hmm. does... I'm And I'm, like, open to, you know, maybe I'm missing something with metal music, but just the, the screaming and not being able to understand the lyrics is just kind of a deal-breaker for yeah. me. Um, but there's... I see what you're saying on that, and yeah, I, I think pointing out that being open-minded when it comes, whether it comes to movies or music or food, uh, I think food is particularly important to be open-minded about. But and so yeah, I'm really glad that we decided to do this. I, I was just like, you know, it'd been on my list forever, but it is kind of something I've been exposed to culturally, which is um, there are a lot of television shows that have done this movie almost exactly where they'll tell different versions of the same story and kind of just leave it up to the audience to decide what's true um mm -hmm. specifically shows that like i've watched over the years i guess there's a there's a fraser episode they, that they do it it's called perspectives on christmas and they all have different versions of uh what happened before christmas and these different misunderstandings and you know like rashomon 
they don't tell you which story is true, and, and they just kind of get frustrated mm-hmm. in the in the show episode ends. And the, I think at the, in the end of that episode, they're just like, let's just get massages. And you know, the whole episode, they've been all been getting massages. So it's kind of you know, it's another mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, you, you realize that the whole thing has been in flashbacks, uh, but. I, I guess I love that now seeing the movie and being like, yeah, that is pretty much how it ends. It doesn't tell you what story is true and just kind of is like, all right, anyway, moving on. This thing about a baby, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the mm-hmm. movie's over. Um, and then the other shows that I guess in a way South Park did this with uh, Cartman and um, Jimmy write a joke together and then they debate like who came up with the joke and they have these varying different versions of the story um and Mm -hmm. then I saw Star Trek did this and so I was going to ask you if you'd you'd seen the Star Trek Next Generation episode that did this I I had not but um it listed is that the hold on now I'm going to figure out which episode that is yeah sure yeah but Star Trek did this so I had I mean I've definitely seen it because I've seen all of them yeah so I was just but it is kind of like, it's an idea that might have, certainly was more revolutionary when it came out. Even though it is based, these are based on, as you probably know, two short stories that came out um, before this. I think they're 1915 is the date on the short stories. And so it's not like this was a, it was a new idea for cinema. And um, really a different kind of way to tell a story. And, um, but... If you are a Western audience and you're watching this today, you probably have seen this ref this idea referenced before in a TV show that you like or you know something because it is a very like people just love this idea like after this came out and um, yeah I don't know your thoughts and I guess I haven't really done the plot of the movie if you haven't seen the movie basically mm-hmm. it's about um, these different versions of a rape and a murder. And um, I, th- I thought it was interesting. Or is it? Is it a rape? I mean, I would say each scene shows a rape, but uh, apparently Robert Altman doesn't think so. Because in his opening little thing on Criterion, he says that the only consistent thing is a, is the murder. And I'm like, no, even mm-hmm. even the, the guy who said that she, you know, uh, succumbed to his seduction at last, it still looked, I mean, how do you not call that rape? I mean, if... I don't know if we need to, that needs to be our jumping off point or not, but uh, if you have thoughts on that. Yeah, that should not be our jumping off point. Uh, okay. I, uh, you kind of just, you, you went off on that by yourself. I, I put nothing in there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I have seen that Star Trek episode. I just looked at it. <laughs> okay. It's a holodeck episode. I love holodeck episodes. Me too. The episodes um, I watched, I kind of watched all the holodeck episodes, or at least the mostly good ones. Well, also the... Altman's wrong in the sense that the the murder is the only consistent thing because in one of them the guy commits suicide. Yeah, that's true. The sam when when the samurai retells his story, uh, he, you know, there's a lot of when it comes to the the central conflict of the the murder or suicide and the rape or seduction, the or or let, let's call it instead of continuing to use that very intense word they have a fight in order to see who wins the woman. And in some of the retellings, she provokes one of them to kill the other. And in other ones, she's more, more or less. So in, one, in, in some of the stories, she's an active participant. And in other versions of the story, she's but, 
clearly a, a victim or an but object. But she's, right? I mean, she's, and I'm going to say rape because that's what happens. I mean, I'm sorry if you feel like that's aggressive, but I think it's important because I think that... I feel like you, I feel about that word the way you feel about when I use the word retard. Well, I mean, I don't know what you want to call it when that's like what's being portrayed. And I feel like not calling it that is kind of a disservice to the act because I think the the film, it is a lot of good things, but it does not show women very well. And the, and the woman is blamed for this action in every event, in every version of the story. And it does... Even her own? Even, even in ways, I would say, even her own, because she's still kind of, like, begging forgiveness in this weird way um, because she knows, because she's been with two women now, she's basically ruined. And um, so... Mm -hmm. uh, you and I, as Americans, do not have a great understanding of not just Japanese culture, but certainly more ancient Japanese culture. And so I don't want to pretend to, that I know that, and I certainly don't want to impress our value system on... Because even, even though this movie was made in the, you know, whatever it is, 1950s, they're showing samurai. This is something that happened hundreds of years ago. And women, as we know, have been subjugated until fairly recently, last hundred years. And in some places in the world still are, like the Middle East. I just want to be careful when we're talking about this I think putting a 21st century perspective on it might be doing a disservice to. Oh, this is a really large topic to start out with, and we haven't even. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I've listened to people talk about it. these. Are not like things that people get into because these are objective things that you point out in the film. I'm not making a value judgment mm -hmm. about it. Of course, if that's what you're insinuating, I'm c commenting the, on the content that's been presented to us. That that is all. Uh, um, sure. And sure. so, it, you know, in that way, yeah, the woman is the victim. Whether or not that's the filmmaker or the representation of the culture, you know, that's, that's another conversation that we're not having. And, and, I, and I don't think that this, if you want to talk about it, I just don't think that that is ever my business to pass judgment on those things. I'm just talking about what I see in the film. And, um, right. and so, yeah, it, it, so, but it does happen. It's important that you, it happens before the fight. The fight happened, the... the the rape happens, and mm -hmm. then they fight over, you know, in the different versions of the story. Um, one, they're fighting over who gets the woman. That's the the bandits version of the story. That's what he says. She said he says that she begs mm -hmm. him to um, kill the husband, um, so that and then take her. And so that's his version of events. And then um, the other versions are a little different. She, in her, ver there's also a lot of like, there's a lot of honor and shame. Yeah. Uh, in in Japanese culture, yeah, abs absolutely. Uh, and like the, I guess the one I always think about is how the suicide is the honorable thing, and so you see that in the mm -hmm. guy who um, died, um, the husband character, he commits suicide in his version, and he, like th through something that doesn't really come off as odd in the film, but we get a medium retelling of the <laughs> the story which I think is something that is in Japanese culture, that that was, um, you know, I don't know if it was still not something that, you know, is was, was meant to seem like otherworldly, but, you know, just just something that was uh, part of their customer cultures that that was. Oh, the media. Yeah, yeah I think the, the real nice touch by Kurosawa there is having the man's voice come out of the medium the whole time. I think that sort of almost puts it beyond reproach in terms of, superstition and stuff and, and the um, characters accept it very clearly yeah. 
they yeah. accept it as reality. Um, but they still, you know, you don't know if whether or not you believe that story, even though they do accept, like, yeah, this was the spirit that came down and that's hap- that happened, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and even then, I mean, one of the lines that always sticks out for me in the, in the movie that is, I think, in the frame tale between the, the, the main guy, the woodcutter, and the guy, the, the witness to everything. Right. And, uh, and the sort of vagabond guy. And one of them just says, like, it's human to lie, which is kind of the point of the whole story. So whether or not his spirit is traversing through this woman who now has a very manly voice, <laughs> she's telling it, right. he could still be lying for the sake of his honor and saying, no, 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 I didn't get killed. I committed seppuku because that's the honorable thing to do after you've been bested in a, in a fight and your you know, wife has been taken, all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much going on. It is a huge topic. It is, and that's why I kind of compare it to Citizen Kane because there, there is so many things that we could have in-depth conversations with, from the technical achievements in this film to, I mean, it's also kind of known as this this film that put Japanese cinema on the map and really opened it up to the Western world. Mm-hmm. And then there's Kurosawa as a conversation, as a, a great filmmaker that he is, and he's brought so many classics um, to cinema world so we could talk about that <laughs> and then there's the philosophy mm-hmm. that's in the story and the idea of what is truth that you know can you trust anyone mm-hmm. can you believe in anyone which I think is the more interesting conversation to have but um yeah I don't I don't know where you want to start or yeah I mean one of the things that I like is that there's a psychological term called the Rashomon effect and the whole point is that eyewitness testimony is very rarely accurate because everyone does put their own impressions and feelings and uh, insecurities and things into it. I mean, the uh, the main guy, the Toshiro Mifun, the, the bandit, um, is clearly like self-aggrandizing himself in the story and making himself bigger than he ought to be. And the wife, I think, is, is making herself out to be less of a participant. Because in more than one story, she she says, well, whoever wins has to kill the other one because of my shame, you know? And in her version, that doesn't happen. She doesn't want to be an active participant. And it is she's the only character that doesn't have a name other than wife in the story. Well, I think that also says something about that time. Right, but the, the woodcutter's version of the story, she does become as much more of an independent um, person. Like in that version, mm-hmm. you know, it's all of a sudden she's the one in charge, you know, and, you know, even though she still was, you know, subjugated, but she's kind of like, in that one she's like, Bandit, why didn't, you could have had me had you just, like, asked me like a man, you know, you didn't have to do this. Right. And, and so um, I, I loved seeing all the different versions and in, and and I thought in that version she was better represented than the in her version which I, I don't know what you want to say about that you know but th- well, that's there her version is I think her version might also be the shortest one and I think it is the shortest version does play into you know more of a victim narrative I'd like to think that the woodcutter story is the most accurate and that's why it's presented last and you know the fl- the fight was not this honorable impressive samurai duel it was very clumsy and and they just by luck the guy ended up killing him but the there's still some some ambiguity and some weirdness to the woodcutter story because the the missing dagger 
right? And he's accused of stealing it in the version where the man killed himself honorably, right? Um, but that still doesn't account for the missing Pearl Dagger. You, would, I, right? I think that the movie sets you up to, to first think the woodcutter story is going to be the most accurate, but then it tells us, or the, my reading of it, it tells us that no, you can't even trust this guy. Look, he stole the dagger, mm-hmm. and that's what the mm-hmm. um, common person is, uh, that character, um, that's what he tells us as the audience. It's like this guy, and he even tells him, he's like, you may have fooled the judge, but you didn't fool me. You know, mm-hmm. you're dishonest too. You're just as bad as, as the rest mm-hmm. of them. And so the way I take it is this commentary, it's like, yeah, we... we I've established that you can't trust the people that are active participants in the event, you know, and I would say the Mm -hmm. wife, the least active probably, but are active participants in the event. They even did not to like talk about the, but it's just kind of an interesting, um, but uh, in the the commentary by the the guy that wrote the book about Korsak, where they listened to, he talked about how the woman giving testimony wouldn't have been taken at all. So the fact that they, she's giving it, I mean, they wouldn't have given any validity to it, you know. And so I was like, it's interesting that they even show her story. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, just a commentary on the culture. Um, But uh, now, now oh, the the yeah, the woodcutter. And so the woodcutter, it we're told that you know basically we we can't credit him, even though he's a person that should be the most objective because he wasn't active. But then it's kind of the common person points out, no, you aren't even you person who watched and weren't a participant. You still are not an objective person who can tell the story because look, you were you weren't objective. You took part. You stole the dagger. So I can't trust you, mm-hmm. even person that just stood there and watched it. You know, and right. And he also lied about having seen it all. Right. In the initial story. He he found a dead body. Right. So you can't um, trust him either. Yeah. And even in this, his second version of the story, there's still one of the main themes is I think is the just like the falsehood of memory. And how, you know, let's say he was just objectively watching the entire thing play out, right? Even then, he was concerned during that. He, w- he may have been uh, worried that they would hear him in the brush, or he was excited by what was happening and debating whether or not he should interact or deciding not to. You know, there could have been some fear involved. He was experiencing so many other things while observing it than just a mental document of exactly what happened you know so his emotions and, and stuff it were still tied up in his memory of what happened uh, and of course he wants to save his own ass because he doesn't want to know anyone to know that he stole the dagger and then you know you mentioned the commoner and his there's his foil which is the monk who wants to believe in humanity whereas the commoner is completely given up um, and I think one of the things that reframes a lot of the woodcutter stuff is the the baby that's found at the end and he's like I already have six kids one more isn't that big of a deal and to me that makes me think oh they've talked about how the per- the dagger had a pearl handle and how much that would have been worth this guy has six now seven kids of course he stole something expensive he's got a full he's got a large family to feed so to me that reframes the whole thing for him too you know it's like he's that's why he didn't want to participate at the beginning that's why he didn't want to tell the full story, because he's got mouths to feed. Like, he's got way more to do than most of us. 
So that's something I think about in terms of his quote-unquote honesty, is there's like more of a hesitance to his story. I mean, I... Although I do wonder if it's the most accurate. I mean, I do agree with you in theory that that... I guess for me that beats more about you can still trust people, and that's what, you know, the that gave uh, the the monk a reason to trust people there at the end when he says that about the kids. Um, I don't know if that means that his story version is any bit more accurate than anyone else's. I guess for me, the more interesting thing is to talk about um, the idea of truth in the film and less about, I don't think the story's real, the movie's really about that there is one version that we're supposed to get as correct. I guess that's just my... Oh, no, I completely agree. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's all I'm, I'm saying. I'm just pointing out that... I'm uh, pointing out the faulty of memory... Okay. ...means that you can't trust any of them. Right. Okay. Uh, and although he has... But he's the most I'm honest. he can't have... A, yeah. Okay, I agree. Yeah, I agree I'm saying that. he can't have... He cannot have an objective perspective. And though I'd like to think that his story is the most accurate, I'd say that there is truth and lies to every single version that we see and so we cannot know objectively what happened which is kind that's of that's what i'm getting at no i completely agree yeah absolutely um we're definitely on the same page there um it do, i don't know to, to kind of transition a little bit uh i think about this kind of stuff a lot but part of me is like does this matter as much because now we can just record what actually happens you know in this time period mm -hmm. they didn't but now we're like really recording things you know uh, all the time so there I guess there's less of this mm -hmm. question of truth um, can we oh I don't know about that can we believe oh yeah I mean I guess you can get into that whole but I guess in truth in the sense of like this like what happened here if you had a recording of this happening you know there would be mm -hmm. less of a debate of or what version to believe if we just had somebody who's recorded the whole thing mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm saying not that people don't still debate about what is truth. I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to debate about that, you know, forever. You know, we, we also live in a very accusatory culture. There's a lot of, you know, they, you know we could get into these terms post-truth and this kind of stuff. There's more there's, misinformation on the Internet than there is information. There's bigger or, or abstract concept. Yeah, there's bigger abstract conversations about what truth is. And, yeah, do not... I, I guess I will recommend... Uh, the the sapiens guy book the 20, 20 the lessons for the 21st century he talks about this a lot and uh, the concept that um, corporations are able to provide so much disinformation to manipulate like what we believe and uh, the gate mm -hmm. the gatekeeping is basically different now it's more about knowing what to pay attention to and what to ignore than to you know that's yes. that's more the skill set that you're supposed to learn now which is like the opposite of what it was you know so it's kind of an interesting mm -hmm. because it is it's like there's, well, also, there's so much to ignore you know but yeah go ahead i know yeah. i know i mean i mean back then they also the only media they had was like scrolls you know uh or, or very well put together books and uh all music was live you know i mean i think people forget that recording didn't really start until 150 years ago and didn't really get good until less than 100 years ago um, you could write you know, music for a long time, but yeah. You could write music, yeah, but a recording of music? That's a, right. Ex in terms of human history, that is an extremely new thing, despite the fact that it dominates our world. Completely agree. Photography, audio recording, what we're doing right now. We are, we are currently video Podcasting. chatting and recording <laughs> yeah. audio. Yeah. 
we are video chatting and recording audio of ourselves. That is just commonplace now, but a hundred years ago, this would be a complete mindfuck, the way technology has advanced. Can someone, yeah, record my screen and then find out the, the factual truth of this conversation that we're having about Rashomon? Sure. I don't know. Yeah, that's a much larger topic. Um, but it is it is different now. It's because we have so much information, it's almost you can... Now you can cut information to fit different narratives. I guess that's the trick today. You know, mm-hmm. before it's like there's so little fact, you know, anybody could just tell a lie, doesn't matter. Now it's like there's so much information, anybody can build an argument to fit their narrative. And, you know. And create false facts, which right. is almost an oxymoron. Right. right. Um, but certainly, you know. I mean, I've always said... I very much don't like advertising, probably like a lot of people. I've always said, you know, you have to have a good understanding of what propaganda is and why something's trying to sell you something, just so you can safely ignore it, right? But yeah, like you said, uh, attention and, and being able to ignore something is very important. And sometimes I feel like I can be a little conservative on that, but I feel like you kind of have to. You kind of have to be like, all right, this is, these are the sources of information that I trust. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep going mm-hmm. to, you know, peer-reviewed journals and reading about experts about these, whatever the topics are you're reading about. Um, because, yeah, there's just, there is so much bad information <laughs> everywhere. And um, it's kind of sad because I do think that the generation coming up right now doesn't seem to understand that most of the information that they find on the internet is um, questionable, to say the least, and that mm-hmm. and that you, they can pretty much find anything to support whatever viewpoint that they have. And um, oh yeah, it all depends on how you phrase it when you Google it, and you can find whatever you want. And then Google um, builds yeah, I mean, customized in... searches to give you the information mm-hmm. that you're that you've showed that you would agree with. That's what I think is messed up. Yes. but I'm sorry. Go. That's ahead. very. It's dark. It's, it's a yeah. scary. It's well, a scary just, world. Yeah. I mean, the, and that's another. I think humans are just a little inept. I mean, that's just algorithms doing it automatically too. There's not some guy in an office somewhere going, "Ha ha! I'm going to keep you in your echo chamber," you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the irony, right? We talked about being open-minded, but then we're, but now we're like, but I have these certain outlets that I trust, and I pretty much just go to those. Um, because you have to. And so it's... Or, or, you, or you have to, to. To some extent, you have right. to. Or you have to do really careful or research to, about yeah, spend finding your life. new outlets that you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. Or spend your life um, really but yeah, like you said, topic. Yeah, yeah. It's, but that's kind of like with certain topics, you would have to dedicate your life to it to really... Consider, and even then, maybe not feel like you're... The, so that's kind of why I feel like you do have to be selective on your... Um, or you're selective in your vetting process. Really being able to um, analyze what, where you're getting your information first and then read the information, which is, you know, is, is a fallacy. It is, but... Yeah. Um, and I mean, something that happens every day on the Internet is somebody makes a tweet or, uh, you know, somebody gets some potential misinformation and then they make a meme and then that meme goes viral and then everyone believes it. It's, there's, no, you know, a meme or a tweet can never really be vetted. Uh, it's something you always have to double, triple check. Behind, you know, that's why websites like Snopes exist. And then there are other people who will, you know, uh, who deeply believe some sort of conspiracy that just came out yesterday or whatever because um, it fits their personal bias. Uh, and then you can point out, well, Snopes has done a pretty rigorous fact check on this and says it's false. 
and they'll just go, oh, well, Snopes is owned by, you know, the FDA or whatever. whatever. So it doesn't matter. Right. It's, it's irrelevant. Yeah. So they'll move the goalposts and just say, well, you can't trust that either. So I think, yeah, I mean, we talk about truth being in, in short supply these days, but I think trust is in even shorter supply. Right. Uh, even, even when people are presented with absolute, not even facts, but like real fundamental truths, if we can call anything that these days, tr- uh, it, it beca- it's irrelevant because they don't trust it. You know, and that, that's a scary thing to me. Part of me thinks that the amount of disinformation that was going on in previous time periods was was so crazy. Like for to think about like somebody like Marco Polo to be able to convince everyone that, that he went on these travels and saw these um, ridiculous monsters and creatures that don't exist. And um, mm-hmm. so in some ways it's like, yeah, I guess there's people out there that believe the earth is fat, flat, or you have the QAnon people. Um, and actually I will give a plug to there's this HBO documentary series about QAnon right now that I'm watching that's really really interesting mm. to see how how kind of easily that whole thing was built when I when I really think about it what I've kind of come to is that most people believe whatever the, their environment tells them and it really takes yeah. either a major trauma in their life or they have to be the kind of person that just kind of questions everything and that's highly motivated or you could be kind of a combination of the two but you have to be one of those two people to ever change like your your religion what you believe about diet Mm -hmm. what you believe about um even things like movies what politics politics obviously yeah politics was the other big yeah aesthetic aesthetic things too music and movies and absolutely this goes back to the not not branching out right so it is kind of Um, for me i it is kind of goes back to that i'm like i don't know how much anyone it's we don't have control over those things and so it is kind of like people are kind of in their bubbles automatically on birth you have to have the desire you have to have the desire to be open-minded. You have to have the desire to discover new things, and to you have to have the desire to question yourself and your own beliefs, and that's a lifelong thing. And that's why um, trauma normally gets you there faster than just being an open-minded yeah. person. You know, it's normally. And I'm actually, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because I do think that there's something to that. Um, that trauma really does make you question, you know, whatever house of theoretical house of cards you had built for the, up, to the, up to that point in your life um, because it's like well okay we talked about the R words earlier which were retard and rape right uh, which for some people the reason I think I was a little uh, like well let, let's not say that word too much you're saying well I'm doing a disservice to the people and I was taking the other end of the stick which was yeah but that's very triggering for a lot of people some people don't want to listen to a thing about oh, okay. about a movie, and then, and the, so we're both being considerate in different ways. Well, okay. But one thing that somebody said to me recently that I thought was really interesting um, was they were talking about the idea of being triggered, and this idea of, uh, especially the last few years, that being triggered is fundamentally a bad thing. It's something to be avoided, right? Uh, but then they were talking about trauma, and they're like, that's not how trauma works. That's not how th- real therapy works. You, When you're ready, you face it head on, and you deal with it, and you talk about it, and you figure out how you feel about it, and you figure out how to move on. And actually being triggered can be 
the healthiest thing in the world if you're adaptable and you know how to deal with it, right? Some, some very minor event can trigger some trauma from years ago that you didn't even realize was there. And you're like, oh my God, this is just like when I was 12 years old or whatever, a very similar thing happened. Um, and if you're willing to investigate that, the triggering can be a total catalyst for something really healthy. Um, so I'm glad that you brought up that, you know, traumatic experience or, or being triggered by, mm. even if it's just a word or an event, um, can, can provoke real change for people. Because I think that's definitely true. Well, and I, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that, yeah, I'm definitely not trying to trigger anyone. I guess I always try to be as careful in my language as possible. And if I knew a pseudonym for that, like, idea that was easily to understand... You know, I'm I'm de- oh, I'm definitely open uh, sexual to assault. sexual assault. Yeah, we could absolutely call it that. I I feel like that could that's a variety of things. That's definitely not as severe, um, but yeah, I mean it's established this time that what we're talking about. And I I guess I do think it's important to be like, no, this was not unwanted advances, and um, it's clear, it's clear, it's and clear. and that's all because yeah. I, there are some people you know that might have a different take on the. Um, the bandits version of events and i guess i want to just be clear that you know i i i don't <laughs> agree with that if you think that somehow that is um more consensual but um oh no i was never suggesting yeah. that I, what i was trying to suggest earlier is that this takes place in a time period where regardless of the honor and shame of japanese culture this takes place in a time period which most cultures went through where women were extremely subjugated and because of their place in society or lack of stature in society, um, they had a learned behavior of, I don't want to say being grateful to be, to be married off and this sort of thing, but the fact of the matter is that that's the case in a lot of history. <laughs> is that good? No, certainly not from our 21st century perspective. But that's the fact of the matter. Well, that is that, and that's what that's why I think in different versions of the story you see a different side of the wife character saying, "No, you need to kill this person who I am married to, because you have now dishonored me and him. So I need you to kill him, so that I can feel less shame." Right, and that I think is a very real, strange thing to talk about because it's not something that we're like. At our point in history, I don't think it's something we're equipped to talk about because we just don't live in that world well, anymore. Well, we can we can talk about what we see on the film, but we can't pass value judgments, and I, I completely agree with it, yeah. agree with that. Like, and yeah, and and I do think that is kind of important to reiterate because I feel like sometimes I'll talk about things and I'm like I'm, ta- I'm I want to just talk about like what happened and you know my take on it, but it's not like I'm saying this is bad, this is good. It's like you know we're, we all we are all the product of our own time period and environment, so it kind of makes it hard for us mm-hmm. to pass value judgments. Even though I would say there are some things objectively that are wrong, you know, no, regardless of rape and murder, culture. for instance, right. And, you know, rape yeah, and, yeah, yeah, they're always wrong, really kind of outside of any kind of cultural context and sl- enslaving people always wrong. Um, yes. but, but certainly in, in Japanese samurai culture or, you know, Viking culture or whatever, they were the norm. 
you know, this was right. an everyday experience. And that's where it's like, I'm saying that I say these acts are wrong. I'm not saying that these people, I'm not saying I'm the person to judge these individuals because that is, that, mm -hmm. I, that is not my place in this world. And so that's where I feel like I get into the nitty gritty. It's like, I no, I have every right to say these acts are wrong. I'm not, I, I don't have the right to say this person's soul is evil, you know, I'm, and that's where I kind of will, will maybe get into like a little bit of semantics because I do think it's important to call things what they well, are, I think it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's similar to what you're saying about the disinformation thing is that uh, everyone is to a large extent a product of their environment unless they actively try to think outside of it. Um, now, on one hand, we're talking about information retrieval and being you know very careful about that and on this other hand now we're talking about more ethical issues although we could argue that information is an ethical thing Ooh, but that's an interesting concept certainly when we're talking about sexual assault suicide murder um the woodcutter watching passively and not trying to stop anyone from doing anything bad also an ethical issue but yet yeah, these are these are very different things that somehow we've connected I think these are all things, and I guess what I was going to say is, like, do you have a, a burden to, like, research things? And that's something that I feel like is an interesting topic. Maybe not the right <laughs> right time now, but I think a lot of what you just mm -hmm. said are all things that are in the movie. So I guess I, I just, like, just bring it back to the movie. Like, it makes us question those things, especially when you get to the end where the, where the common person steals the kimono from the baby and you mm -hmm. have the one person says that's the most evil thing in the world and then he turns it on him and says you stole that gold dagger you know mm -hmm. how are you any better and i want one, one i'm going to say stealing from a baby is worse <laughs> you know I, I'm, I'm just going to say than from a dead than man. from a yeah. dead man a hundred well, that's the contrast <laughs> yeah so but i mean I, I take his point still stealing is stealing you know and um and let's not forget an abandoned baby in the rain right probably cold the kimono is there to keep it warm. And then he points out, no, the family that abandoned it are evil, etc. Right. But what's their um, situation? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record. Yeah. I'm going to go on record and agree that stealing a blanket from a baby that's alive is worse than stealing a dagger from a dead man. Yeah. I'm going to go on record and say I, I think that's true. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to take the commoner's argument and say, oh, oh yeah, good point, uh, buddy. No, <laughs> no, don't steal yeah. from babies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll just just say that just um, in general, that mm -hmm. should be another thing that's just all cultures we just don't take from babies. Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Don't that's actually a. This has come up so many times in movie victory. <laughs> right. Don't steal from don't babies. Steal from babies. I know we we hammer this point home a lot because it's happening. Don't steal yeah. from babies. Yeah. It's still it's happening. It's out there in the it world. Happens. This is yeah. part of the problem. And it was a cultural thing to give babies to temples too, and even in Western cultures. Um, people continued mm -hmm. that practice. So I'm not going to go out on a limb and say whatever the value judgments there. It's not like there was pro prophylactics then. You know, nobody's got birth control in this time period. I mean, mm -hmm. unwanted births happen. What are you supposed to do? And, um, yeah, that was the system at the time. You leave it at the local temple. And, um, you know, that's really the only option. If you don't have the money to support that child, um, but there's a chance at the temple, you know, what's the right thing to do there? Um Mm -hmm. And so that guy's kind of tries to judge that family where, I mean, I'm going to say, you know, that might have been the right thing to do. And, you know, a lot of cases, it's right to give a child up to adoption, in my opinion. If you if you know that you aren't equipped physically, mentally or just um, financially to support it, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I would argue that. And let's absolutely let's do ourselves a favor and not get into the abortion topic. 
at all. Sure. I wasn't going okay. to. I don't know. I don't know if you. Okay, yeah. okay, no, me neither. Yeah. yeah. Just want to make sure. Even though I think we um, probably agree on it, but yeah, we don't have to talk about it. Well, there there are some. Yeah. There are other movies that might present that. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, we've gotten pretty off topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have to throw that into it. Um, so Rashomon, one thing that I like, uh, as on Criterion Channel, they have uh, a little intro that Robert Altman did, and one of the things that he points out, which is so great, is with the lighting, um, everything is obscured, but because they're shooting it in a grove. Uh, with lots of trees, there's always leaves, there's always branches in the way of what's being seen, which I think is a great visual metaphor for the entire film, of just the, not even the ambiguity, but that everything's slightly obscured. Uh, and I think that's just such a nice visual touch that is throughout the entire film, too. Every time they tell the story, there's always, you know, dappled leaves, uh, shadows over people. There's always branches in the way of what the, of the sword fight, um, and I think that's just such a great visual thing that if you weren't looking for it, uh, you know, it would, I'm not sure how many people watch this and go, "Oh, everything's obscured by leaves." Do you know what I mean? Um, um, yeah, I think that, and that's kind of where it's like, yeah, we could definitely. There are so many technical things to talk about in this film, and the the camera mm-hmm. the camera work. Um, you know that one of the other things Altman points out is the sun shop looking up at the sun, um, mm. the the way that the the wife is shown. You know, as in that opening, the first time we see her, you know, it's kind of starts at her at her foot and goes up, and it's almost this. We really get the different perspectives. We get their their color. I mean, it's a black and white film, but we get their version of events and the nuances, and that can only mm-hmm. be be done with really a very very precise in the way that we're visually seeing everything um one thing that people will constantly point out is like the different ways the fights are done you know we got one serious fight one fight that's kind of a joke you know there's a different you know you could kind of just point that each fight um stylistically is so different and um Mm -hmm. and i think that's why the last fight the clumsy fight is almost the hardest to watch for me as a viewer i would like watching the final fight the retelling of it where it's actually they're both really bad at it and sort of inept at sword fighting uh that was difficult to watch for me like it's i don't want to say it was annoying but it was like oh uh, like i felt almost cringy watching them both people repeatedly fail uh and that must be that must be so strange for these actors who who do know how to do it uh and to to purposely fumble around for a few minutes with their swords, you know. Uh, for me, that's a, a weirdly difficult scene to watch. It's very uncomfortable, I think. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did. did I, guess you I, did, did I guess you didn't feel that way. Yeah, you could tell from my expression, I was like, I guess it kind of, if you know what they're doing, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know what to say. I guess if you were a sword fighter... <laughs> I would understand your point more if you were like somebody who was a sword fighter there was, and you were just like, oh, God, so I get how it's hard to watch people do something bad that you're, like, really good at. <laughs> but but maybe I'm just like... I, no, I mean, it, it, well, it's like watching a fail video or something. Okay, I guess I didn't... You know? I just thought it was kind of... Uh, um, 
I thought it was funny. I don't know, like, a funny haha is the right way to say it, but it was just kind of, like, an interesting, and, like, an interesting way, and it just, like, yeah, what, in real life, what are fights more like? I guess that's what I was thinking about. Because some t- right, sometimes right. in real life, fights can be really clumsy and dirty and not really Absolutely. polished, and, you know, like the first fight, which is the, the more epic version, um, where we have the bandits version of the events. And he kind of gives a marker in the sense that he's like oh i we had 20 you know 20 back 23 right which made you kind of believe him a little bit more that he would because he why is he giving credit to this other guy for being a good sword fighter you know it's just kind of it's Mm -hmm. like what would his motivation for that be and um you know there's all kinds of little details like that to to make you give every character a little bit of credit you know you're like well why would they Mm -hmm. because they they themselves don't come off good in any of their versions. Like, every character doesn't portray themselves very well. I mean, we spend a lot of time focusing on the wife, but the other characters don't portray themselves very well in their versions of the events either. You know, I guess the thing that really strikes me in the husband's version of events is the way that he blames his wife just in her, um, like, he just knew what she wanted when she came over to him. You know, I always just I just mm-hmm. thought how unfair that was. And then in the wife's version of events, you know, he she knew how judgmental her husband is just by that look he gave her. You know, there was both of those, like, unspoken communications that they were both mm-hmm. so sure of. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I like that detail because I was like, I almost believe that you guys saw each other but got completely different takes, you know, from each other's expressions and and I do think mm-hmm. not to get into this whole conversation more but it's it's horrific that the husband had to watch regardless you know that he was there when it yes. happened and so in that way I give the the husband a lot more credit even though he is very rude to his wife in every version of the events um kind of just well yeah to be fair in her version of the events when he's looking at her coldly we also find out that he died right like, he, he could have just had that look frozen on his face. I mean, that's my interpretation, is that he wasn't looking at her coldly. He was just cold and dead and stiff. <laughs> he was just dead. And she freaked out. And, I mean, there's also, I mean, something we do, definitely do not have time to get into is sort of, like, female hysteria. And because she's definitely hysteric in most of the versions. Um, and one of the, one of the things that, really troubles me about the samurai or the husband's version is not only having to watch his wife be assaulted but uh, then watching his wife turn against him completely and say like with with real like vehemence like no you have to kill him now like looking straight at him you know that's a to me an even more difficult moment it's like you know someone's honor can be taken from them but then for the person that you quote-unquote love to completely turn against you, that seems even harder to swallow. Just for clarity, I guess I'm looking at the Wikipedia version, because in the wife's version of the story, it says here, and this is just what Wikipedia says, but this is roughly what I remember. It says that he, like, she faints, but then when she wakes up, he's stabbed. So I guess the suggestion there is that he died from the dagger wound. Um, So he couldn't have been dead while he was looking at her... Um, I think 
Yeah, because he's like, because when she wakes well, up, could have been dying. Could have been dying from the poison. Because there is, I think this is what you're referencing. Because there is one version of the story where he drinks poison from a snake, from the stream, right? Is that is that why you're saying that? Oh, I don't even remember that happening. Honestly. That is one of the versions where he like gets sick from drinking poison from a stream from a snake. Um, I now I now I don't remember what version it was that that happened. Um, Wow, I don't remember that at all. Um, I did like watch, which just shows yeah shows the fallacy of memory. Too. Yeah, I all oh there in the first version he does say when he come when he ties the guy up, the bandit he then goes to get her and is like, hey, your husband's sick. That that's no, I remember that. No, that's that's that's, di different. that's different. But I'll just not to get into more about it. I mean, I. I like I watched about half of the commentary, and I also listened to um, some other podcasts talking about this movie. Um, so I, my memory is definitely mixed with the retellings and my actual <laughs> memory of my viewings. Um, but yeah, kind of regardless, um, we got her version of it is a is an interesting one. But I to give what you said a little bit of more um, credence, I would say that his expression of loathing in that scene. Like, he does not look that loathing. And I feel like that's maybe why you're like, he almost looks yeah. dead. Because he's just kind of, like, frozen-faced. His eyes are open. He's, like, looking at her. But it's it's not... It's, he has, like, a slightly raised eyebrow, and that's it. Right. And so, it, with so much overacting in this film, and us Americans, yeah. we call it overacting. In Japan, their style of acting is so different. So, um, you know, I'm not going to... We don't have to, like, reopen that. But there is a... There, their style is a lot bit, a lot more dramatic than ours is, and we would call it overacting. Or it was. I think it's softened. As it's softened in, more recently. During global, globalization. <laughs> I mean, you look at a, a Coriata film, and it's just, just more these are people hanging out talking. Uh, it's more naturalistic. But yeah, I think back then there was still, I mean, you have to remember there was Kabuki theater and all this stuff, which is very over the top. Um, they, so yeah, they have a rich uh, culture of theater in Japan. That is their own thing, and that is why I think cinema, their cinema, is really interesting because it brings a lot of that influence from their theater into the filming, and um, you know, it just makes it so different compared to really anything we we've done in the states. I would say. And acting is just part of that, so I'm not gonna. I think it's. I thought it was just kind of funny. Like I guess the the bandit character, especially, is just kind of. He's so ridiculous. He almost comes off as like an anime character. <laughs> like I'm watching. Like like uh -huh. an, he does. Yeah. yeah. Just like, ah, I'm he's just like cackling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's what. There's one moment where he's like cackling, laughing, and they just cut, and like it's just like totally. It goes from right. insane laugh to just silence. Yeah. Uh, which I, is great. I love that. Yeah. He, um, he's. But Crazy. yeah, Toshiro Mifune is very over the top in this movie. Well, I think he's someone who, like, as he gets older, because he's in he's in all he's in a bunch of, of them, right? Not all of them, I don't know. A bunch yeah. of them, and uh, I mean, you see him. I don't want to say become a better actor, but you see him, his range mm -hmm. over the years, uh, which he has quite a bit. Um, but yeah. Anyway, is there anything else uh, we should talk about? Get into? Uh, do you have any? Do you have any notes? Yeah, I guess. What did you? I guess there's the raining. That an opening is obviously really cool. I guess we kind of talked tangentially about a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, do you like stories sure. like this? I guess we could talk about that in general. Like the kind of like story that gives you these different versions of events. Do you do you like just this idea of seeing it? Sure. I mean, it's not what I always wanted to. I, 
I don't always want to see a film told in flashback, you know. I don't always want to see an unreliable narrator or several unreliable narrators competing. I like it, but it's I don't, I don't actively seek it out. Is that if that what you, is that what you mean? I guess there's some things. I guess to clarify my question, um, so like the Bill Murray like repeat a day. Personally, I lo- yeah, oh, Groundhog yeah. Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah. I mean, or more famously, Bill Murray repeated day, as I refer to it. You know, that's what everybody's said. Yes, that's the original <laughs> title. Bill Murray's Toss Salad. Right, right exactly. Um, but, like, I love that idea. I will watch bad movies that give me that that movie just because I like seeing stuff like that. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would put this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not sure why you're referring to Groundhog Day. As no, a Groundhog Day movie. is. I'm saying I'll, I'll watch bad movies that do a version oh, of okay. that repeat a day. Like, it could be Got a it. bad movie, but it's if you tell me, oh, it's a repeat a day movie, I'll be like, all right, I'm in. I'll check it out. You know. I, uh, oh, yeah, I do not I do not actively seek those out. No. I've, I definitely have. Like, I've looked them uh-huh. up. I've watched most of them. Um and um, yeah. Anyway, we could we could do a whole season on those types of movies. You know, maybe that could, that could be an idea well, <laughs> in the future. Uh, I mean, you you go ahead. You make that list of movies, and then I'll I'll decide whether I want to sign uh, off on okay. that. Okay, I guess we, I could just do it with my alternative picks. Um, uh, where I yeah. guess uh, so I would put this type of movie in this category. If um, I read that there was another movie that kind of did this, I would probably check it out. I do I do like this. I don't I like the, this idea. So I feel like for me this movie, even though it's got a lot going for it when it, when talk when you talk about the camera work and um, mm-hmm. really really the cinematography for me this there's the i guess in general just the set pieces are great too i mean the raining and the opening scene is great you know the way the temple looks is great you know the different Mm -hmm. shots the fact that you know when we're seeing the courtroom we just see the characters we never see the judges that's an interesting version so it's like the audience we're deciding Mm -hmm. and you know there's there's all these different kinds of things that i love about it but Ultimately, what I love is something that makes me think about who do you believe and um, who can you trust, you know. And I, I guess I like, I, mm-hmm. I like stuff like this where it kind of questions your concept of reality, you know. Yeah, I think one one thing I just realized for this season that you know we've done chunking and we've done chunking Wildgrass and Rashomon especially are all very sort of unpredictable and unorthodox narratives. They're they're not the typical way a story plays out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm looking at my notes for Rashomon, of which there are like <laughs> okay. three. They they play a bolero at like 45 minutes in, uh, when the woman is becoming hysteric, and I actually forgot I wanted to do that for the intro music <laughs> and not Frasier. I don't know what uh, you're talking about, Frasier. That was just some some intro music. Uh, that's, that's our some intro song. music I found. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. If they use um, that, I don't know. I mean, again, it did make a little sense because Rashomon does mean salad tosser. Right. So, uh, and then I, I have two quotes from the movie. There's, oh, a, mo- a moment I like very much. Towards the end, the commenter says, in the end, you can't understand the things men do. And then he walks over to the fire and just starts throwing flaming sticks into the rain. No. Did you notice this? No. It's a very, like, he literally says, 
oh, well, you can't understand the things men do. And then he does something totally inexplicable. He walks over to the little fire and he picks up flaming sticks and just tosses like three of them into the rain. It's bizarre. It's towards the very end. Um, and then I have one final note, which is, and I want to I ask your view on this. Did they put a tiny wig on the baby? I thought... Did you notice the baby's hair? I haircut? thought he was wearing a hat, I guess. It looks like hair. And so my question is, one, did they put a tiny wig on the baby? Or two, did they give the baby a, like an undercut buzz? And if so, which is worse? Do you think it's worse to give a baby a bad haircut or to put a bad wig on a baby? We already know. We don't have to go over don't steal things <laughs> from a baby. But what about giving things giving things to a baby? Um... Which is worse, a, a bad wig or a bad haircut? Mm, I guess a bad haircut would be worse because then it's permanent, you know. It's the haircuts are not permanent. <laughs> well, I guess it's more per <laughs> it's more permanent than a wig. I guess is my point. Yeah, your hair could grow back yeah. depending on your age. Yeah, you could shave it. Um, I'm definitely I'm I'm pulling up the movie now. I'm gonna look at the end. Oh, unable to play video. Why? The Criterion Channel website. Get it together. I can find that flaming stick thing. If it's oh, it's fine. Point. I guess I just wanted to look at it real quick, that and the, the baby thing. Um, but I don't have to. If you want to see the baby's hair, it's at like 124 and 30 seconds. Okay. It's just, for whatever reason, it's not playing in my... It honestly looks like a bad haircut, now that I'm getting Yeah, I guess I didn't see... I'm always concerned, as you know, with baby's haircuts. Baby's haircuts, yeah. It's I'm against them. I think you should just let the hair grow. Let it do its thing. Why would you shave an infant's head? Um, <laughs> actually, my wife and I have been talking about... I've been like, oh, Vivian, you know, my daughter needs a haircut. And um, she's like, no. And I'm like, her hair's, her hair's really like... I guess it doesn't really matter. I guess I was thinking about getting a haircut. So I was like, oh, Vivian's hair should be my length so that's that's what i was thinking i was like she needs to her hair can't be longer uh -huh. than mine which is a total i mean it it's will a total keep ridiculous thing to yeah. like care about but i was just like yeah. you know she can get a haircut and it and then it will grow long again is the thing yeah that's true i feel i, I guess i was just thinking it's kind of weird having a kid for the first time um because you go out with them and then like my daughter will like scream at me a lot when I take her from the park because she doesn't want to leave the park. She loves the park, and so I always just imagine somebody's like looking at me, like you know, taking my child, and they're like, "Oh, kidnapper! <laughs> taking that? You're abducting that baby!" And right. I'm always comforted because our hair looks so much alike. I'd be like, "What are you talking about? You know, you know, our hair is identical. It's obviously mm -hmm. my daughter." Um, <laughs> I gave this kidnapped child a haircut right. just like mine. You know, if if our hairs were very different lengths, you know, this, the resemblance might be mm -hmm. harder to see. All right, I I got it pulled up mm -hmm. on my phone now. What what is it? One twenty what? Like one twenty four and thirty oh, seconds. Oh, I found it. I found it right about. there. Okay, it looks that. like hair to me. But also, you see how it's an yeah. undercut, parted down the middle. I've never seen a baby with an undercut. I don't know about you. To me, that seems worse than a wig. <laughs> Maybe so. And actually, there's an even better shot at tw at one twenty four forty five. Yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah. Where you get a real, real top heavy angle on that. Really, a bad haircut for a baby for anyone, really, but for a baby. Especially. I know it's kind of strange to like, yeah, shave the sides of its head like that. 
But that mm-hmm. is how the guy's hair is, too, though. That? His sides are shaved. All right. Well. Maybe I, d- I don't understand Japanese baby culture. <laughs> I feel like that that we could so. definitely agree on is that we neither of us yeah. have much of an understanding of the way that baby culture is. It is this is kind of a crazy thing, <laughs> not to get off too t- off topic, but in some <laughs> Asian cultures, I don't know if this is Japanese or not, but in some Asian cultures they don't use diapers at all, and so they just have their outfits and basically the babies just kind of poop wherever <laughs> wherever they are, which is crazy to to be an American because we're like so concerned with our our diapers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they don't use them, nor do they you know use toilet paper a lot either. They're all about the boudets, so it's just kind of mm-hmm. for whatever reason, us Americans are really fascinated with that kind of stuff. Um, because um, probably because well, we, it's also weird we're be- so married to our systems. Yeah, go ahead. And and the product of a diaper has been propagandized to us for you know a hundred years uh you know there were cloth diapers for a long time we also know that disposable diapers are actually really bad for the environment uh you can get better you know not recyclable diapers but whatever they're called compostable ones um but they they create a lot of landfill waste and of course they're full of urine and which has ammonia and of course feces and stuff and it's like they're not great no environment you're at all and also right. we didn't have di- we didn't have diapers until like a hundred years ago like this is also like photography very a very new thing also women that we just take did not used to shave their legs actually Gillette convinced them through advertising mm-hmm. that they needed to shave their legs and, and that, or shave anything well yeah, well that's the whole for that matter. well men have always been shaving their beards um, in certain cultures not in all cultures um, but mm-hmm. it was really something only the upper class could do because you had to have somebody that you trusted enough to have a straight razor mm-hmm. to your face. And so, yeah, for the most part, it was only a certain class of people that would even have access to be clean shaven on a regular basis until very mm-hmm. recently when the d- disposable razor was invented. And now, you know, mm-hmm. all the men were shaving and then, the, you know, they're like, well, we got to get the women to shave too. W- what are they going to shave? Their legs, you know, you know. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, and so yeah. and then w- women's razors are more expensive in the United States, and they're also are they really? Yeah, and they're also there's less access to variety. So like men have like these Dollar Shave Clubs and these different um, versions that have arise. Mm-hmm. There is no woman version. The only reason I know this is because I have a wife and we've talked about it. Because I'm just like when I've talked to her about like how much she spends on razors, I'm like that's just ridiculous. And she's like, there's really no other system. And it's like, how is that possible? But apparently, well, one, apparently one option is. is don't shave as much. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, yeah of course. That's become a, a re, sort of a rebellious feminist thing is to like keep your arm, armpit hair, which I see is no big deal. You know, I've actually. I mean, this is going to get slight, a little PG thirteen all of a sudden, but I've actually, you know, dated people or something that said like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't shave down there," and I was just like. What? This, I'm a, I'm an adult man. I don't care, because I do think there there is a preference or a fetishization for completely shaved, you know, bodies, right? But yeah, it's it's a very strange phenomenon because, you know, prior to, like we said, however you know, hundred years or so, certainly, you know, we talk about leg hair, but pubic hair also, was just not shaved. Maybe, like you said, it was trimmed or something if you were more upper class and could afford 
scissors. I don't know, I don't know how that works. Um, but uh, actually, you know, it's a great. Oh wow, maybe we should do that. Um, a great movie that is about not exactly these sorts of things. Shaving. Um, but, <laughs> but upper classness, uh, and also does the type of story that you like. There's a Korea, South Korean film called The Handmaiden, which we could do. Hmm. I'm gonna give. Wait, should we do our ratings, or should I give you the options for the next movie? Um, I think we should definitely do the ratings first. But I think I want to do um, a couple bad reviews first. Oh yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, this one is called Oh My God. <laughs> July 18, 2018. I agree wholeheartedly with other two or three, two or three people here who are unpretentious enough to be honest and not a lemming. Horrible, and I do mean horrible, acting. The bandit was so annoying. What's with the unbelievable maniac laughing and hopping about? Boring. 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 <laughs> yes, yes, I get the point of the movie. The premise is interesting, but the film is just plain bad. So bad, it's laughable. Honestly, if the acting wasn't so over-the-top, um, reminiscent of silent film at overacting, it wouldn't have been at least, it would have been at least palpable for me. Which is kind of like, in the end he's kind of like, well, it's just the acting, which we kind of talked about is like a cultural thing. Um, well, also he only talks about the one guy right. who's clearly a crazy person. Right, so why wouldn't he be acting crazy? Um, right, everyone else does not overact, I don't think. All right. What do you think? Do you think it? I guess the when the woman is hysteric. I think in the I, di- I think in I think in the different versions, there's overacting in each one, and um, but I would say there are different performances. But like in the different version, the overacting kind of makes sense because you they are doing a a subtext version of that person's reality, and so mm-hmm. which. I mean, yeah, whether or not... I mean, you got there's got there's a level of um, that you've got to put in there. And so for me, yeah, it's overacted, but why wouldn't they think that would be appropriate to give the proper subtext to that character's POV? So it, it, it worked for me. It wasn't problematic. I think me, like a lot of people, thought that the, the bandits' uh, really craziness in the trial scene did seem a little like just ridiculous i feel like that it's obnoxious yeah, yeah. yeah i feel like that is but i think he's a crazy person right this right. reminds me there's an anecdote where you know we've talked before about how kubrick was like pretty good friends with a lot of other filmmakers and he was of course good friends with steven spielberg who did ai and all this stuff and when the shining came out uh kubrick talked to steven spielberg and he was like well, what'd you think and Spielberg like had seen it once and said he didn't really like it. And so what he told Stanley Kubrick was, I don't know, Stanley, it's not my favorite thing by you. I mean, don't you think Jack's a little over the top? And then Stanley Kubrick just calmly went, how else would a crazy person act? And then Spielberg admitted, like, and then years later I revisit it and he's totally right. And he thinks it's a great performance. But yeah, I think... I'm not sure if that exactly applies to, to Shirimafune in Rashomon. Uh, but let's face it, without the bandit character, the whole movie doesn't happen. He is the conflict. He is the aggressor. He is the antagonist. 
he's the bad guy, regardless of what we may think of him. Um, without him, there is no assault, there's no murder or suicide. Um, and he's a crazy person. He's a bandit on the run that's just wandering around the countryside committing crimes. You know, so of course he's he's lost it a little bit. That's a, uh, that's an interesting point. We are going to have to do some Kubrick films at some point. Definitely Eyes Wide Shut. We've already talked about. Um, yeah. But a lot of people <clears throat> say Kubrick is not a actor's director, and I kind of feel the almost the exact opposite because I feel like he brings out some of the best performances for certain actors that mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I don't think Tom Cruise has ever done a better performance than what he does in Eyes Wide Shut. And a lot of people could say, "Oh, I agree. he's just doing Tom Cruise." But no, there is nuance no, there he's that not. he's never been able to achieve nearly anywhere close. And I feel like that is Tom Cruise at his best. In, in my mind, it's Eyes Wide Shut. That's his best performance. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And I mean, honestly, that scene where uh, Nicole Kidman is stoned. That, that argument? That scene just yeah, in the bedroom. Yeah, that scene. So, it's, it's so good. Both of them are top, like, top-notch at the the peak of their I don't know but I don't want to say career but at the peak of their talent and to me that scene for both of them as actors is like so interesting like I could I want to watch it right now just thinking about I know it's great it. you know, just that scene just that scene um, it reminds me of like anyway Robert Alt not Robert Altman um, but Raymond Carver's um, short stories and Altman did a very similar argument scene in Shortcuts that. Um, but that kind of couple fighting dynamic that really feels real. I've only I those are really the only two good examples I can think of. I think it's very hard. A lot of people would say marriage story accomplished um, or scenes of a marriage. I have not seen that. And so there But before midnight Before Midnight does do some good ones. Yeah. Before midnight yeah. nails I mean that's ha- that's the Yeah. bulk of the movie. Or at least the second half is when they finally go to the hotel and just argue all night. Instead of have a romantic get together, maybe that would be um, the appropriate season. Almost doing like couples movies and do uh, add eyes wide shut to that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, si- side topic. Yeah. All right, I got another review here. This is an Amazon one. This one's called oh, "You've Been Fooled." You've all been fooled. I'm afraid I'll get a lot of heat from this, but if you like this movie, you've lost your mind. I'm afraid all too often people are influenced by critics and intimidated by old black and white films with subtitles. Though it may be groundbreaking style of film, that does not make it a good film. In a sad attempt to confuse the truth about the death of a man, Kurosawa frustrated audiences with bad Twilight Zone episode too long. There's nothing supernatural. Okay, actually, no, there is a supernatural thing. Cause yeah. But, sorry, continue. Okay, it's almost over. Too long and without the that, that creepy plot twist so very needed. Best performance goes to the bad dubbing over for the psychic. The bad dubbing over. Interesting. What? So he's saying that the... I, maybe, I think he didn't understand that that was supposed to be the samurai's voice. Do you think? Oh, I, oh I, yeah, that could be it. Part of me was like, is he saying the translation was bad? Because I was like, no, I think the translation is probably pretty good no, on dubbing. this one. Yeah, the dubbing, you're right. Dubbing the is audio. audio. Dubbing. Yeah, I was just like... That would be subbing. Then, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I, I would... Because audio, bad audio dubbing just didn't make sense to me. What are you talking about? Like, it, it mm-hmm. was the purposely the guy's voice. Um, all right, that is N8RST8RS. I don't even... 
know what that name great name great handle. <laughs> um what is that supposed to mean so um but yeah that's that's his take on the film all right and what what is our take what do you want to start with personal review or how do you want to go here sure sure um i it's tricky for me because i'd seen this once before years ago and i remember being very impressed but i didn't remember much of it other than the overall narrative thing that it does. I didn't remember any of the specifics. Rewatching it, I will say that after watching it, I actually went back and rewatched certain people's retellings of the story. But I mean, I'm tempted just by default to give it a plus because I think it deserves it just in film history. But if I'm giving it my real personal rating, I'm going to say it's a check because I think there are there are Kurosawa movies that I prefer like if I had to pick a top five or a top ten of like you can only watch these five Kurosawa movies out of the you know whatever 40 that he made uh, for the rest of your life I don't know if this would be on the list despite the fact that it's very influential which I can totally understand and we've talked about at length it's nowhere near my I'm being a little unfair to this one in the context of the rest of his filmography yeah, I'm just saying that's not, where, not a, a structure you have to respond to. You've kind of like forced yourself. <laughs> that's what I want to do. Okay. okay. That's what I want to do. All right. Do. It just seems like. You're... Yeah. If I'm being really, if I'm being very clear, it's a check place. <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess for my personal rating, it's definitely a, it's definitely a plus. I would say it's a plus asterisk because I'll, I'll definitely rewatch it. Yeah. I mean, I think that this could be even a star for me. I think it's a, it's just a really a great film. And um, I think mm-hmm. from, for me, every aspect works. I guess we spent too much time talking about the acting because there is some things that are annoying about the acting. Um, but just from the way that the camera works throughout it, um, the atmosphere elements in this film, whether it's looking at the sun, like Altman points out that he stole too and used a lot in his films, mm-hmm. and or the way that the rain is used in this film. Um, there's just so much here that to me, I, I think of like a film like I think it's a film like Citizen Kane where it's like it should be rewatched many times because there are choices in everything that he's doing, even in the wipes mm-hmm. that is that are the transition. You know, just there's these all these very conscious choices that are there to tell a very specific story. And um, yeah, I think it's impeccable. I think it's an impeccable film. And that's why I'm kind of talking myself into giving it a star. But I think for me right now, it's still a plus. And I only say that because I did think that the beginning dragged for me. I guess if I had to give it one like actual note, I would say the opening mm-hmm. little bit just took a while to kind of get into the story, like the woodcutter um, to the temple. Like it just took a while to kind of get into the interesting different mm-hmm. ideas. But um, yeah. Yeah, there's a long frame story. Right, right. I'm going to say the thing that brought it down from an obvious plus to a check plus, for me, the baby's wig. <laughs> the baby's or haircut. <laughs> okay. Or haircut. Um, not a fan. Really took me out of the movie. <laughs> I did not think um, about it at all. Uh, so, okay, so the, I'm going to go a little, a little specific for the pataphysical rating this time. So your options for how you want to rate this. I mean, of course, we. I gave it a check plus. You gave it a plus. You can. This is the metric. Uh, it's the characters in the story. Is this movie the bandit? Is it the wife? Is it the samurai? Is it the woodcutter? Or is it the baby? 
You gotta put the monk in there. Oh, you're right. Okay, or the monk. Sure. You want to pick the monk? Yeah, because I think the monk. I feel like the it... monk is kind of the director's perspective in the film. So you know, I guess I feel like it's the monk. You think? Yeah, because he's the person who's. Mm. It's. It is kind of a comparison to Seven Seal in the way that it's the character who wants to find something to believe in, like mm-hmm. like the knight wants to find something to believe in, and I think and I think the monk yep. is is that character who's like questioning but wants to believe in something and so yeah i would probably go ahead yeah i thought about that too yeah obviously i think it's the baby <laughs> yeah, okay which is it's your least favorite the part. baby well no the baby's haircut is my least favorite okay. part the fact that they find the baby i think is great okay. but the baby is of course innocent and abandoned uh just like humanity's sense of truth and honesty and uh, our faulty memory, and the fact that, uh, and trust that we can't, none of us can trust each other. And the baby doesn't know any of that yet. We are all the baby in this movie. This, this, the audience is the baby. I know that they're also the jury and the people that are interviewing the. Nah, we're babies. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with that. That's an interesting take for sure. But my real question, David, is. What does the science have to say? What's the science? And as you know, why you're probably tuning into the show is because you know that we're all about science and math here. And um, we have a Mm -hmm. very complicated algorithm that we throw every movie through. And um, it's kind of been interesting the past couple episodes because the science has been kind of questioned. We've gotten a lot of negatives um, overall, you know. And I do a lot of work to plug in the individual numbers. I kind of do it independently twice just to make sure I'm right. But I do have an auditor um, that has been, I guess he's just been backlogged doing films. Um, he keeps on still keeps on flip flopping on um, on the the film. Um, what's it called? Chunking Express. Ch- it was a month ago. No, Chunking. Yeah, he's still working on. He, I don't even know if he's gotten started on that. He keeps on telling me he's still just Jesus. going back and forth with Gone with the Wind. You know, just because for such a, a new for order. such a long time, it was just such a considered a good film. But then when um, you know our past president Donald Trump said that it was his favorite film, it, you know, is just dived, and now it's becoming just a very does the science reflect that a MAGA friendly film? And you know, science does not like huh. Donald Trump, so then it beca- it it's, it got lower. So he's, and Donald mm-hmm. Trump doesn't like science, right? So. Right, they're at odds. Um, I guess for, <laughs> I guess this is this is a side t- topic, but I'm not a fan of Gone with the Wind, and I guess I just love that Donald Trump declared to the world that he thinks that there should be a Gone with the Wind two because he didn't like that Parasite one. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but, but I did not know but, that. That's so absurd. So, I'm so glad we don't have to fucking listen to him talk anymore. I, I, it is awesome, but yeah, just how absurd that claim was. He was so annoyed that a international film won the award. He's like. Why don't we have Gone with the Wind too? Why isn't that coming out? It's, which is just amazing. it's amazing that he actually said this, and um, you know he's still millions of people voted for him, and Incredible. yeah, um, just for that alone, I mean, you should not vote. <laughs> just it, take everything else away. You know, just that that's what he said uh-huh. said about. Um, so this this film, I was kind of glad to see for why the science gave this film this rating. I don't know, but. You guys, to go through the system, you know, we got checks, which is 
a movie, an incredibly broad category. I think to you, it's like ninety percent of films. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't. Maybe yes. maybe higher than that. I, I feel like for me, the cat- categories are definitely that's totally fair. Definitely like more. Like I definitely will give more films pluses. I think than you do, just in the way that we yeah. see. When I see a movie, oh, before we do all this, I want to make a correction. Okay. A couple episodes ago, we had a, a brief. I don't remember which episode it was, but we had a brief discussion. And you said you tend to seek out more new movies, and I said I tend to uh, watch things I'm, I've already seen that I know that I like. You remember this? Uh, sure. I did a little math of my own, and I mean just a tally sheet. <laughs> and I went through the films that I've watched the last two months, and I did, in fact, watch more movies that I have not seen than movies I, I did. What was your um, ratio? I guess I'm just kind of curious. What is your percentage here? Because I, I guess I'm like maybe 90, 90% new movies. Am I, it's very high. I'm not re-watching a lot. Mine is la, not that high. Yeah. Okay, so for instance, in in March, I watched uh, nine movies that I had already seen and 14 movies that I had not. So 10 to 15, whatever that is. Um, and so it's like, what, 30% uh, that I would already seen? Six, that's 30 to... 60 how does math work rough yeah um <laughs> i guess and you're, then, you're uh, over 60 yeah february i also watched nine movies that i hadn't seen but i watched uh 15 18 movies that i had not so i guess if you just want to do an easier like 10 to 20 you know you could say that you know th- what's 10 divided by 30 30 70 yeah, yeah so that's that's a quick way to say to, to roughly say it's like oh you're watching basically at least 60 if not higher percent um, new movies versus um, old movies so probably you're probably at 65 percent somewhere somewhere between 60 and 70 percent just roughly estimating um, yeah I think that's great I still think that I'm probably you know much higher but I do like that you're watching that I think you watch a lot more movies than I do in general and you rewatch like if I look at movies I've rewatched like it's I'm not gonna find those big of numbers um i guess our, oh, yeah. I, I watched minari twice because i want my wife to see it and so but that, that's one of the uh-huh. rare times i've like watched a movie but that's right that, i mean i think there's uh, one thing that happens is although i in my faulty memory i was like oh i think i rewatch more movies than i seek stuff out and i wonder if that's because i don't what do i want to say i don't seek stuff out for instance the Sometimes I'll find a director and I'll gradually watch their stuff. Like a lot of the the new movies that I've seen were all this you know the same South Korean guy, uh, and I've just been like gradually going through his movies. And then other times, you know, a lot of these were like I went to the drive-in, and at the drive-in they they only play repertory stuff that I know I've already seen. And I'm not going to pay a bunch of money to go see something that I might not like, you know. Anyway, this is totally off topic. Well, not really. Sort of. Yeah. Well, sort of. I feel like we were all kind of like in this concept of like objective truth. And so I feel like you self-checking yourself about what you even think is kind of an interesting um, meta-analysis of like, yeah, I'm just, I'm even wrong about, <laughs> I'm sure. In my memory about thinking I watch <laughs> not as much new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like the levels. And I do think they're in this movie. Ultimately, what I think rings true more than anything else is that it's hard for us to be honest with ourselves. And so 
I guess I, to just connect what you're saying, like that ultimately that is the factor that I think is always true. And um, yet we continue to believe our own lies. And um, no matter how hard we try to kind of be objective and, um, you know, even somebody like me who thinks I'm pretty good at it. And I'm sure you probably feel like you're pretty good. Or I, I really don't know. Um, but I, oh, I don't know. Object, objectivity is not my strong suit, honestly. Okay. I'm very, okay. I feel like every day I get proved wrong about something. I'm just, I'm very used to being wrong. I'm, I'm not right most of the time. <laughs> well. <laughs> I've learned over the years. Uh, I would agree. I'm, and that's a, that's a humbling experience. Well, that's true. We've definitely talked. I'm definitely, I'm definitely am open to being proven wrong and be proven wrong. I guess this is kind of a side topic of just like my ability, like to remember actual events that'll happen. Like I'm just kind of like a little bit more, um, I, and I don't know what, what I'm a very fastidious about like documenting things. Like I like mm. take notes. Like if you talk about like my sleep, like I do a sleep app that, that records it. Like I log a lot of things I do so, so that I can be objective about them. Like, um, mm -hmm. so in that way. Yeah. And so like as a I, teacher, uh, like I take notes of what kids say and write, like I, I'm like, I'm pretty good about, and I think one of the reasons why I'm good at that is I'm not afraid of, of, me being the bad guy in any situation i'm very on board with like throwing myself under the bus which i think to mm -hmm. a lot of people they're unwilling to do that but i i have no problem with seeing myself as the boob in every situation you know even more so than oh yeah true. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah personally i am uh anyone who does listen to uh this podcast you know i'm a fool i'm a complete i'm a complete fool uh, I have terrible memory. I'm actually notorious for that. Although there are some reasons for scientific reasons for that, uh, which we don't need to get into. Actually, do you want to know? Sure. Uh, so, one as a child, I was diagnosed with ADHD, uh, but never received any um, medication for it. My parents refused, uh, which I'm grateful for, actually. Uh, and. On the other hand, you know, we've talked about alcoholism before, which is certainly contributes to memory loss. But I also was told by a doctor recently, just in quarantine, that uh, I had, well, how do I pronounce it? It's like hypercalcemia or something. And it just means you have too much calcium in your blood. And one of the main things it causes is memory loss. Interesting. And one of the main reasons for that, that people get it, is antacids. Hmm. And for years, especially when I was an alcoholic, I had acid reflux and I was constantly sucking on antacids for years and also when I had a much worse diet you know a lot of fried food a lot of um, sauces you know heavy sauces uh, caused acid reflux and I I just ate whatever I wanted but I always had Tums on hand you know and apparently doing that for many many years ended up negatively affecting my health and I, I just had to change my diet instead of... Anyway, it contributed to enormous memory loss also. No, I, so. I feel like, if anything, that could be the takeaway that people need that are drinking too much, and they're like, yeah, it's killing my liver, but they don't realize the anti-acids are causing memory loss, and maybe that'll bring them out, oh. bring them out of alcoholism. So, you know... Yeah, it, and it, if, you Google, if you Google hypercalcemia, it's not only that, not only is it memory loss, but the other big ones are like depression and irritability. Because calcium does something, like it builds up in your brain, quite literally. Uh, anyway, I seem to be waning off of that, I hope. Uh, but yeah, I am not known for my impeccable memory by any stretch. 
Okay. Uh, I'm very much in my imagination. I have a very subjective thing going on. Um, Objectivity is not my strong suit. Well, I, I guess I just didn't want to assume to know what how you feel about your own perception of reality. I guess I'm wrong in assuming that most people think that they have a good grasp of it. I guess that was kind of my assumption, that mm. most people do think that they do pretty well. And so that's kind of why I wanted to qualify it. But um, no, that was interesting. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. I mean, I think this came up too because I said, like, I'm often wrong. Yeah. And when you get proved wrong consistently about stuff, especially when it comes to your own memory, mm. right? Um, and like other people are corroborating, like, no, that's not what you what you remember is not true. Um, you kind of get used to that and you, you sort of like, it's a very humbling thing. I mean, I, at this point I love being proved wrong cause I'm like, Oh wait, what actually happened? You know, I get to find out what's right now. Um, cause I cannot rely on my brain to some extent. Um, so yeah, that's a very personal anecdote hmm. there. Which does relate to the film, because I think that's why I'm so concerned with the woodcutter story of like, well, he still can't be objective because, like I said, he's he's dealing with his fear of being found and his emotions for what he's seeing and all this stuff. So there's a lot happening in his mind. He's not just a f- recording surface, you know. Um, anyway. No, I guess the only... I guess we need to get back to the scientific rating, um, but I will say I'm a, a real emotional person, I guess, and that's like the science behind mm-hmm. my strong memory is that if you are emotional, um, you tend to, like you basically, you, you naturally attach memory to emotions, and so if mm-hmm. you have a lot of emotions when something happens, you're going to have a better memory of it versus people that don't. Um, oh, I don't know about that at all. Um I'd need to see some research on that because I'm an extremely emotional person and I have terrible memory. Well, so. I mean, I think your memory loss is for the other reasons, and I'm not. I'm not saying. And yeah, I could. I could. I could send you something. I guess I could look into it more. But um, for me, I guess the trigger of the emotional memories is like a real is a real thing. Um, but mm-hmm. but at the same time, it doesn't mean that you couldn't have the reasons that you have to not remember things so even if you have some minor good things going for a good memory but all these negative things Mm -hmm. uh, you know that's not going to matter um i guess i'm not i'm not arguing that always you will remember things better if you're emotional but it's a certainly a reason um to remember something better um Mm -hmm. but all right and to now get back to the scientific um review um but I guess that part of it, oh, this is, I guess it's only because of, like, if you are, no, I won't get into that. I won't do that plug. There's this whole, Wait. there's this whole thing about memory I could get into more, but I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to get into that. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, I was going to bring, yeah. you're never going to believe this. What? I just had a memory. Well, okay. And it was a memory of uh, a roommate saying something about memory. Okay. And he said a phrase that I'll never forget, and he just said, I have a very textural relationship to memory. Okay. And I thought that was so... Meaning that he may not remember the data, the the specifics of who, what, when, and where, but he remembers how he felt in the moment. He remembers how that moment made him feel. So he also has an emotional connection to memory, but it's can be contextless. He can remember it happens, but he doesn't may not have all the data readily available in his head. Stored away. I just sent you a scientific article about emotion and memory. There's a ton, though, so it is it is like a well-researched thing. Um, But right. But my my real question is, 
Oh, there's a baby crying, just like the end of Rashomon. I know, that's Vivian up there. I wonder what's wrong. I literally yeah. gotta go um, help her. It's a, <laughs> well, yeah. my wife's up there. Um, so what does the science have to say? Well, that's where it's kind of a surprise. So our system, the scientific system is you got a negative. That basically, the movie takes more than it gives. An equal, it's a film. A plus, you know, it's better than just a film. It does something else. Um... You know, it's definitely something you're probably going to rewatch, or at least something that you you took away something from. And then you have a star, which is basically a movie victory, which is is an iconic film. It's a film that's kind of going to stay with us for a long time, if not, you know, 50 years, 100 years. It's going to be a film that's kind of around and influences things in a massive way, um, and it's you know truly impeccable and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, this film, according to science, is a movie victory. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought you'd probably be surprised by that, that um, this kind of film goes against the current negatives. It is a, it is a movie victory. Wow. I, yeah, yeah, I know. And, um, you know, I was thinking back... I didn't see that I coming. was thinking back to the scientific rating of Seventh Seal, and I was like, both of these films are black and white. They're both, you know... I don't. Is there a reason? They're older films. Does that have anything to do with it? Similar. Yeah. Huh. So I I don't know if it does or not, but it is. Well, that makes me want to recommend a more contemporary <laughs> film next to, <laughs> to, 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 to test this theory. Well, you I guess you you talked about doing another Korsawek, which I'd be down with. But you can recommend. It's your pick. You pick what you you okay. want to pick. I'm gonna give you. I want to go a little a little crazy here. I mean, expect um, nothing less. So, if I offer a Kurosawa film, I'm actually going to offer a double feature. Also starring Toshiro Mifune, there's, there's two films. There's Senjuro and Yojimbo. And if you go to Senjuro on Wikipedia, the, it says, you know, it's a sequel to Yojimbo. So we can do the double feature of Yojimbo and Senjuro. And that's because I mentioned that I had seen some... Kurosawa films when I was young, and they didn't make much of an impression on me. And for whatever reason, in my early 30s, I sort of rediscovered Japanese cinema and just loved it. It was like, I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking anything. Maybe I was stoned. Uh, I can't believe this didn't make an impression on me till now. And the reason that, one of the reasons that happened was because, I think it was in New York, somewhere did a double feature of Yojimbo and Sanjuro. And I went and saw them. And I was like, oh yeah, I haven't seen those Kurosawa's. Maybe it'll you know, do something for me, and I thought they were so great. So that's your first option, is we do a double feature, Yojimbo Sanjiro. I guess I'm just like, we've never done a double feature before. I feel like right. watching one movie seems to be hard to do too. Okay, well this is why we're going to go a little crazy. Okay, let's, let's see what your other option is. So, the other option is The Handmaiden. Okay. Uh, it's a really great South Korean film uh, by Park Chan-wook that I like very much. Uh, and here's my sell for this one. It's the kind of narrative that you like. Is it the day one or is it one like this? It's a little more like this. Okay. It's different. It's fu it's very different from Rashma, but there's uh, there's three different tellings of what happens. Okay. I'm sold. Let's do that one. Anyway, your final option. So there's the double feature. Okay. There's the handmaiden. And then... The 
the last one uh, is also South Korean. It also stars the actress uh, Kim Min Hee, who's in The Handmaiden, uh, who I think is a fantastic actress. It's a film called Grass by Hong Sang Soo. Came out in 2018. And this is the real curveball for your options because this this movie, one hour long, one hour and six minutes. Wow, that's correct. Wow, yeah. That, but it but it's great. I I mean, it's not even real film length, really. I've rewatched. Yeah, I know it's in that weird no man's yeah. land of like anything. Like if it's more than forty minutes, it's not a short film. If it's less than eighty minutes, it's not a feature. Uh, but let me tell you, Hong Sang Soo doesn't give a fuck about your expectations of length so it's definitely a film that I will have us do at some point but I want to you gave me the option last week so I want to give you the option this week uh you have a double feature a pretty long film or a very short film I mean the Kurosawa is out all right I'm taking that out okay so you have the two Korean films do you want Handmaiden or Grass (sighs) it's kind of tough because I'm kind of sold on the idea of Handmaiden I'm curious about it um you know, I almost wish I hadn't told you because one of the most startling things for me mm-hmm. while watching it the first time was like, holy shit, wait, what? Things happen differently? Oh, okay. And so I almost wish I hadn't ruined that for you. Sorry. You know what? I think, I, I think I'm sold on The Handmaiden. And I, I think this will, also, this will also lead us into more of the sort of Japanese antiquity and the way that women are treated has a, a large part to do with this film. Although this one I'd say is... It's a very different angle. I'll put it that way. Damn, I wanted to do grass. Okay, because it was shorter. <laughs> I was tempted. Well, that too. And well, I was also thinking there's a there's a Chinese director named Bai Gan who also, and I'll send you this because it's a short film. Um, there's a great oh, short film called a lot The Poet of people in say the Center. That, now I'm even more curious. It sounds like people say that Handmaiden is basically pornography. Oh well, yeah. I wouldn't. I wasn't gonna ruin that, but there is a, a love story. It's not pornography. Okay. That's it's, but not even softcore. But there is a. I don't want to ruin no, anything. No, I, I, I don't. I, don't. I was just skimming the re- the reviews okay. um, on on Amazon, and I was yeah, just yeah. you know just um, seeing the the hot takes. Um, so I, whenever you see like right. one no, star, it's a very curious... oh, this is not really. This is pornography, not art. That's mm-hmm. anyway. I think that person is just not used to see... You know, there's always some people where if there's nudity in a film, they immediately dismiss it as pornography, despite the fact that it makes sense with the narrative. But, um, but yeah, I would say... I don't want to say there's a love triangle, but there is, there's definitely some sexual I guess it's nothing like for The sure. Handmaiden Tale or anything like that, the Margaret Atwood story. No, okay. it's abs- totally different. Totally different. Handmaid's okay. Tale is very different. Just um, similar name. All right. Well, I mean, we could still do grass. I feel like that's got to be like an easy one if we need, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe put that in your back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, since, yeah, since here's a question, uh, a double feature of grass, no. which is an hour long and the poet and the singer, which oh, is like yeah, 20 we could do that for sure. Yeah. That's actually a good idea. Okay, so that's so that's so that's your option. Uh, do no, you I've, already do, des- I've already decided. Uh, and both... I feel I feel like you're trying you're trying to get me to change my mind. Oh, okay, I'm saying okay, in fine. the future right. though, you know, cer- certainly we could do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I sent you a link to the poet and the singer. It's very, it's a very slow, contemplative film, but it's one of those ones where you watch it, and when you're done watching it, you're like, wait, why is it like? I personally, I wanted more. 
when I saw it. But yeah, and also some of the, the, the lighting is really beautiful, the narration is great. Anyway, I might fucking watch it later today, actually, now I'm thinking about it. But yeah, okay, we can do Handmaiden. I know, I feel like we're kind of the same way. I like that we're giving each other's options, because I feel like when I've given you options, you've always picked the ones that I don't want to do, too, <laughs> so, to make you feel better. I feel like... Oh, I you mean, didn't want to I'm do Rashomon? with all the options or I wouldn't give them to you. But, like, I guess I, I was more interested in your take right. on Minari. But, it's I mean, it's fine. You know? Um, I did, mm. I mean... Well, that one's just trickier for me to see. Because in California, we don't have... The, it should be available online. Like, it's a an, an early access thing that you should be able to find online. Um, but what I was going to say about that, I guess because I do, that we're at the time where Oscars are coming up and I am a guy that I know the Oscars are, you know, meaningless. We got these, these people, the Academy that vote on it and whatever. I'm not going to get into a whole thing that, you know, the, yeah, the Oscars doesn't decide really the best movie, but it's a great way for me to get to celebrate no. films. And I guess that's what I take away from the Oscars. It's like a way, a wa- it's, it's a way for me to watch movies yeah. that I might not get around to before. And, um, I've watched most of the best pictures at this point, and um, there are some that I thought were really great. Uh, Minari's definitely, you know, at, one, at the top of the heap. I don't know. I really like Promising Young Woman. I thought it was really good. I don't know if you've read about it or not, but it's a... it's. I know of it, yeah. I have not seen any of the Oscar movies. I'm going to just plug, you know, people... I don't think. You know, I feel like any type of feminist story, there's always people that hate it, and so the, the Promising Young Woman... Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Well, yeah, I'm not that. But I'm guy. saying like other women have come out and criticized this film a lot, and, and I thought, I thought it was great. And so uh-huh. I don't know. You can take that for what it is. I th- well, it is a film. Correct me if I'm wrong, but with little I know about it, it is a film about entrapment. Uh, uh, but it's also about exposing men's, um, well, a lot of what we've been talking about, which is sexual assault, or, or in this case, taking advantage of someone who is drunk. Right. That's the well, premise of the film. I'll give you the trailer take, which is... Which I completely agree with. I mean, I I just want to go on record, which I've actually had to say to people in real life, which is this very simple phrase, I don't fuck drunk people. That's what that's what the movie's you. about. Okay, there it is. It's, I, yeah. And in that case, I, in that case I, I'm on board with the movie in general because I have had to say that to drunk people and been like, sorry, nope. Because if you regret it tomorrow, my life is yeah, fucked. That, Sorry. And actually, that I really encourage you to see the movie because I think it, it's great. It's, it really exposes the quote-unquote nice guys that do that. And that is what... And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that because it is kind of a mystery. So I don't want to Here's something I want to know. It, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't tell me too much about it, but sure. I have a question. Um, in the film, is there a guy who actually just takes her home? Who... What you... What, who, who sees that she's drunk... And then it's just like, where do you live? I'm yes, gonna take it happened several times. Okay, that's great. I like that a lot. I am oh, you more mean? Oh, 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 you mean doesn't actually do it? Um, oh, no, takes her home to her house and does the to, responsible to thing. Um, she, is there any guy who's actually like, hey, come on, no, 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 no. you're you're drunk. Let's take, let's get you home. Ah, uh, I your can't home. really. There's there nuances any? to the guys. There's nuances to the guys. But part of the story is questioning your integrity with men. So I don't really want to give you a mm. cut and dry answer to that because guys, the mm. guys vary in um, culpability of wrongdoing. They aren't all the same bad. And so, so that, 
but is there like a just a great stand-up guy in it? I mean, if you understand more, okay. Well, here's why that doesn't really work. Because basically, the girl is purposely trying to pretend to be drunk to attract guys to pick her up, and she's so I'm like, like yeah. the chance that she, that she would have a guy that was a nice guy to just drive her home. It's not a great chance, but there is nuances to the guys that pick her up. So there is nuance there. Um, mm -hmm. It's not all the same type of guy. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Say, say no more. Um, okay, so next week we're doing yeah, Handmaid. Which, which I'm definitely excited about. Oh, yeah. I was just, if you're going to see any of the Oscar movies, those are my top two picks. Sound of Metal, also very good. I haven't seen The Father yet or... Um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Those are the only two I haven't seen, so I'm still I'm still gonna watch those. Which I don't. I doubt the father's good for whatever reason. I'm just like, this is an Anthony Hopkins mm -hmm. movie. Whatever. I'm sure it's just whatever got nominated, but it's yeah, fine. I'm sure it's a probably a yeah. big check. Um, Minari yeah. Minari is twenty dollars on every platform. Yeah, but I'm sure I didn't want to get into the details, but I'm sure you could find it illegally to download if um, you were to so in, yeah. so inclined because it is available digitally. Right. Well, if if you were to do it as a pick, I might. Consider okay. That, but I think I'll try to. Uh, I'm gonna wait till movie theaters open. Okay. Okay. Again, that's fair. Personally. So. No, that's um, that's one. Okay. I will probably no. I don't. I don't need. I'll probably. I'll probably buy that film. I guess that's kind of why I'm like ah yeah. I would. I would have liked to see it in the theater, but that's a film I'll probably just buy to support it. I feel like I. I do that more as an adult now. I'm like if I don't get a chance to see it in the theater, I might just buy it. Not because I'm going to rewatch it, but I just want to give them money. <laughs> oh, this is great. All right, and that is Movie Victory. <laughs> all right, Movie Victory. Rashomon is a victory. Yeah, awesome. Uh, all right. All right. Bye. All right, goodbye. I'm still going.